It is so good to be with you today. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here at Anderson Hills. We are wrapping up our message series today on prayer, and I've just really enjoyed this series, getting to share God's Word with you. You know, in the first week, uh, we, we looked at this series, or we started this series by asking God, would you meet with us? And, and we found out that God cares about you. The creator of this entire universe cares about you so much that he wants to spend time with you, that your life matters to him, that things that are on your heart matter to God. And then second, we ask God, who are you? Because you got to know who you're talking to here. And this is the Lord of the whole universe we're talking to. And then third, uh, we ask God, would you help us to hear you? Prayer is not just a one-way conversation, me telling God what I expect God to do. It's me listening to God as well, that I can cast my cares upon him knowing he cares for me. But I also listen to God, believing that God speaks to me. And then week four, we ask God to search me. God, would you, would you search me? Would you show me the ways, the things in me that are not congruent with your heart? And, and we prayed and said, God, would you forgive us our sins? Because we know that if we confess our sins to you, that you are faithful, that you are just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all that is unrighteous, all that is not like you. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. It's a powerful, powerful truth that you can find forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And so today, we wrap it up by saying, God, would you make me bold? Would you make me bold? Now, I bet for many of us, we say, yeah, I could use some more boldness. Boldness is a good thing. Maybe, maybe you could use a little bit more of it in your life. But, but before we get too far in, I probably should qualify what we mean when we talk about boldness because there's many, many forms of boldness that are not exactly what I'm referring to. For example, this here is a form of boldness. Oh, I don't want that for you, though. That's what we call ignorant boldness. It's bold, all right. But it's kind of ignorant. And you know, ignorant boldness is dangerous because boldness plus ignorance equals injury, right? Not just maybe physical injury, not just that though. We can injure our, our hearts. We can injure others when we're bold, but we don't, but we're acting in ignorance. Or uh, perhaps another type of boldness we're not asking for would be like an obnoxious boldness, right? Obnoxious boldness is something, well, for example, there once was an older lady who was very bold in her faith, but she was kind of obnoxious about it. And she would, every morning, she'd wake up super early, and she'd go out on her porch, and, and she would yell at the top of her lungs, praise God, I'm alive, well, her neighbors didn't always like that because it was early, and one neighbor in particular didn't like it because he was an atheist. And so he began to yell back, there is no God. So they would go back and forth, right? You know, every morning, praise God, and there is no God. Well, one time she fell upon some hard times, and she was struggling to buy groceries, and she went out the next day, and she said, Praise God, but would you send some food, God? She went back in, and the very next day, she goes out to praise the Lord, and sure enough, there's a bag of groceries right there on her, on her front porch. And she says, 
Praise God, he has sent me some groceries. Her atheist neighbor hopped out of the bushes laughing hysterically and said, There is no God. I bought the groceries. Undeterred, she yelled, Praise God, he provided groceries and he made the devil pay for them. (laughs) That's boldness, but it's kind of obnoxious, right? Like, nobody comes into the kingdom of God because somebody called him the devil and yelled at him every morning, right? We're not really talking about that kind of boldness because obnoxious boldness can be offensive, right? Boldness plus obnoxiousness, it's offensive. It's not helpful to spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about a different type of boldness. I'm talking about obedient boldness, a boldness that begins with the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in my life plus boldness, then I can be obedient to hear the voice of God and to act on it in my own life. This is the kind of boldness we're talking about. It's a boldness that prays and it says, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want to follow you. I want to live for you. So Holy Spirit, I need you to change me, to make me bold that I can do everything you call me to do. That's a life-changing prayer. It's a life-changing boldness. Instead of living for myself, God, I want to live for you. Now, this can be a tough prayer for us to pray because oftentimes we're scared. We're scared. And it's okay to experience fear. We all do. We all do. But, you know, last week we said that what you fear the most reveals where you trust God the least. What you fear the most reveals where you trust God the least. Fear can be like a blinking red light that can show where I'm struggling to have faith in God. What is it in your life that you fear that hinders your boldness? Maybe you fear and you say, God, am I really spiritual enough or smart enough or interesting enough to be used for you? I, I just, I don't know that I am. Or maybe it's a different kind of fear. Maybe you fear that if you were boldly obedient to God, that he might call you to do something that you don't want to do. Like, he might call you to go to Africa, and you're like, I don't want to go to Africa, right? So I don't know if I'm going to pray that kind of prayer. Or maybe you fear and say, if I was bold for God, how would others see me? How would they look at me? Or, or what if I would experience rejection? What if I would lose a friend? Or what if a coworker would look at me differently or disagree with me? Maybe there's some deep-seated personal insecurities that go way back even to childhood, things that, that hold us back. You know, whatever it is, Satan is great at using fear to really limit our boldness, using fear to keep us right where we're at. And the, the devil doesn't have to make you bad. He can just kind of take away that boldness to make you just neutral to where 
you're not really doing much for God because honestly, you're, you're scared. You're scared. Have you been there? <laughs> I bet we all have. You know, for me, there have been times in my life where I've stepped forward in holy obedience, just been some of the best times ever. And, and there's been other times where I've, I've struggled and I've failed to do so. Remember in, in high school, I was about 15 when we joined this health club in our town. It was a, a large health club, and they had uh, really big, kind of elaborate locker rooms there. Like, it wasn't just like lockers. You had that, but you had uh, all these other things. And some other rooms, like one of them had like TV in there and magazines, that kind of stuff. And as we were touring the health club, I remember the first time I, I kind of walked into this room and, and there's like one guy sitting in there. He's sitting in the, the easy chair and he's wearing no clothes whatsoever and reading the sports page. Now, that's not necessary, right? Like, I mean, we could put some pants on to read the sports page, I feel like. And, and, I'm, and I'm like, whoa, I'm getting out of here, right? And, but he sees me, and he's like, hey, shooter, what's up? I'm like, uh, I'm thinking, I'm not shooter, number one. And number two, I'm never sitting in that chair. And I just want to get out of here, you know? Like, this is not comfortable. Anyway. So we'd be members at this health club for a few years. It was my senior year. I went later in the evening one night to work out. And uh, so come in the locker room afterwards, and the place is getting ready to close. And, uh, you know, I thought I was all by myself in there when I heard a noise from the other room. And I looked over, and this guy sitting in there uh, just wrapped in a towel, and he's, he's crying. And, like, not a little crying, like, you know, ugly crying, right? Big crying. And I immediately began to feel uncomfortable, of course. Like, what's, what's wrong with this guy? And, and I felt the Holy Spirit nudge me. You ever feel that? It wasn't like an audible voice, but it was this nudge. And it was real clear. It said, go over and offer to pray for him. And I immediately thought, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I, I, don't want to go over and talk to him at all. I don't know why he's crying. I'm probably less than half his age. I, I, this is scary for me. I don't want to do this. I went over to my locker and began to get changed, and, and I just kept feeling this nudge, right, that I needed to go and do that. And uh, so I, I got my bag, and I walked by that room again, looking in, you know, kind of hoping he's gone, right? But he's not gone. He's still sitting there, still crying. And you know what your bold, faithful pastor did? Walked right out. I walked right out. I knew exactly. This was not a time I was unclear about what God was saying. I knew what God was saying, and I chose not to do it. I was driving home, and my heart was just sinking. And I just, all I could do at that point was just pray and say, God, would you send somebody else? Would you send somebody else? Not a good feeling. Because I knew that, I knew that God called me to do that. I don't know why God called me to do that. I don't know what God was going to do. But I knew that I was called to do it, and I chose not to. And you know, ultimately what it revealed 
was a lack of trust in God. When God calls you to step out in boldness, you learn how much you trust God. Because at the end of the day, that's it. If it's God's call, then it's going to be God's power that strengthens me to do it. Wasn't my bright idea. And the fact was, I didn't trust God enough to use me in that situation. If you've got one like that, hear me, I'm, I'm not trying to shame you. We've all been there. We've all messed it up. In fact, if, if you read the Bible, you'll see countless stories. In fact, the majority of the folks who God used, they oftentimes did not step forward in boldness. In fact, they were often very timid and messed it up numerous times. Remember when Jesus, he had called 12 disciples, right? And it's getting right to the end of his ministry. He's meeting there with them in the upper room. And he says to them, this night, one of you is going to betray me. Judas, one of the 12, is going to betray him. But then there was another one. And, and he said, one of you is going to deny me. Peter said, <laughs> Surely not I, Lord. Even if everybody would fall away, not I. I'm Peter, remember? You'd rename me the rock, the rock on which you build your I would never fall away. And later that night, the temple guard would come and they would arrest Jesus. They would take him away. Peter would trail off in the distance to follow, which was more than some of the, most of the disciples, in fact, who just ran away and hid. Peter would be there at a distance. A young servant girl would say, hey, weren't you with him? Peter would swear, I never, I never knew the man. It would be three times that night, just as Jesus predicted it. Peter, the rock, even when he was directly warned, he denied Jesus. And we know the rest of the story. We said it earlier in the Apostles' Creed. Jesus would be crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he would raise from the dead. He would ascend into heaven, and now he's seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And he did something very interesting, Jesus did. He left those disciples... And, and the church, which most scholars would agree was probably 150 or less people at the time, a, a very small church, if you will. They didn't have a building or a home base, a very small group and a very timid group. Jesus left them with the responsibility to go into all the world and preach the good news. Now, I don't know about you, but that plan seems to have some gaps in it to me, right? Like uh, a chunk of these people denied you or ran and hid just a few weeks ago. You think they're going to be the ones to do all this? What, what, How is this going to work? Well, two words. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. It wasn't going to be by their power. It wasn't going to be by their charisma. It wasn't going to be by their strength or their boldness this was going to happen. No, this was only going to happen by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the believers, they, they went, they were obedient. They waited for the, the promised Holy Spirit to come upon them in power. 
And in Acts chapter 2, you have the, the, the day of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit falls upon the people in just such a powerful way. Remember, tongues of fire, and they go pouring out into the streets, and they begin to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Peter begins to preach, and that day, 3,000 people become followers of Jesus. The church grows from 150 to well over 3,000. That's a pretty good day for church growth, right? So, so the Holy Spirit is, is on the move. And then soon after that, Peter and John, they're on their way to the temple for a prayer meeting. And as they come in, there's a lame guy who's sitting there. He's been there his whole life. The Bible later tells he was over 40 years old. You see, in, in, that, kind of, uh, in, in that kind of economy, when you can't walk, there's not many job opportunities because it's mostly a manual labor-based economy. So, so here he is, and every day he begs that people will, will give him what he needs to make it through the day. Well, Peter and John, they see him, and they say, hey, look at us. And he looks up, and Peter says this, Acts chapter 3, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the hand, reached up, or helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankle were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, he stood on his feet, and he began to walk. Then walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not a normal prayer service, right? Imagine if you came for prayer that day, right? And there's lame Larry. You've seen him all his life sitting there, right? And he's running around the temple, jumping all around, happy as can be. You're like, what happened? And he's like, talk to Peter and John. I don't, I don't know. I mean, they, just, they, they told me to get up and walk. And they said, Peter and John, what's going on? How is this possible? And, and they immediately, they give glory to Jesus. And they say that this is not us. This is Jesus who is at work. Acts 3.13. Peter, he goes right into a sermon like any good preacher would, right? He says, this is the same Jesus who you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. Even the Roman guy got it right, and you did not. You rejected this holy, righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this fact. Wow. Think about that. Peter is preaching weeks after, just weeks after, the crucifixion of Jesus. And he says to these people, people, many of whom were probably there yelling, crucify him. Guess what? (laughs) About that Jesus. You killed him, but God raised him back to life. He's not done, oh no, he is alive, he is powerful, he is on the move. This is Jesus. He's the one who gave strength to this man, who healed this man. We are witnesses of this fact. 
Well, some other folks were hanging out in the temple that day, the temple guard, like the temple police. These were the ones, the same guys who were sent to arrest Jesus. And guess what? They're not big fans of this sermon. So they arrest Peter and John, right? And, and they, so they arrest them. They keep them overnight. The next day, they bring them before the religious leaders, the same religious leaders who had taken Jesus to Pilate to have Jesus be killed, right? And you'd think that maybe a night in jail might have kind of toned it down a little bit for Peter and John, but you'd be wrong. They come out with the same boldness. In fact, Peter preaches part two of this You Killed Jesus series that he's in right now, right? He comes out, Acts 4.13, and it says, The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. That's a backhanded compliment right there. <laughs> like, the, Peter and John, they don't, know, they don't know the scriptures like we do. Like, they, they like to talk a lot, but they're not really as informed on all this stuff. But there's something about them. They've been with Jesus. They're, they're, not, they're not like us. They've got something that, that we don't have. They've been with Jesus. So they released Peter and John because they didn't really have a choice. The crowd was all riled up, and they were so pumped up about this miracle, there wasn't a lot the religious leaders could do because it's really hard to deny that sign. And so they say to Peter and John, okay, we'll let you go, but here's the deal. No more talking about Jesus. And Peter says, nope, we can't do that. But they let him go anyway because they really don't have an option. So then Peter and John, they go back to the followers of Jesus. They've been arrested, and it's evident that persecution is probably going to be starting soon. So what do they do? Do they say, you know, we need to, uh, we need to kind of soften up the marketing of this a little bit, right, and just tone it down? Nope, not a bit. They go back and they pray for the church, Acts 4.29. And now, Lord, hear their threats. And give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. It's a powerful prayer. After that prayer, the meeting place where they were at shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. I don't know about you, but I want, I want that kind of boldness. I want that kind of bold obedience that you, you get knocked down, you, you encounter a problem, and you hop right back up by the power of the Holy Spirit and say, more, Lord, fill us more. Give me more of your spirit. Use me for you. Use me for you. Boldness plus the power of the Holy Spirit equals obedience. We're not talking about an ignorant boldness. We're not talking about an obnoxious boldness. No, we're talking about a boldness that is obedient to the call of the Spirit. They knew 
that the Holy Spirit was calling them to, to empowering them to do that miracle. They knew what the Holy Spirit was empowering them to say. Even though it was a tough word, they were not afraid to deliver it. I don't know what God will call me or you to do, but I know he calls us to be obedient. And I want to live that. I mean, I only get one life here on this earth. I don't know how long it'll last. I'm planning on a lot more, but I know I only get one life. I don't want to waste it. I don't want to waste it in fear and timidity. I don't want to waste it holding back and and hoping that God will use somebody else. I I don't want to waste it when I know that I'm called to do something and I don't do it because I'm scared. I don't want to live that way. I want to live with the the same kind of spirit-empowered obedience that Peter and John lived by. I want to live by that same kind of reliance on the Holy Spirit that trusts that that God can and God will move through us. That's why we're having this Holy Spirit conference coming up. And it's it's going to be a powerful time of experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit right here in our midst If you haven't signed up, man, get your phone out and do it. Go to the events page or in our app. It's going to be a powerful time. I invite you to join us because I want for all of us to experience this power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, God moving in our hearts. And maybe for you, you feel like fear is holding you back. And you say, okay, you know what, John, I I will pray. I'll pray for that kind of boldness someday. I'll do it as soon as this, this fear kind of subsides in my life. I can't do it right now because I've got this fear, but someday when this fear subsides, then I'll be ready to pray for that boldness. It's not how it works, my friend. It's not how it works. Author John Acuff says it this way. He says, fear does not have a natural conclusion. Fear never ends on its own because it always moves the goalposts rewrites the rules of the game, and rewrites the rules and changes the game. Fear doesn't finish. Bravery starts. If you're waiting for fear to conclude, quit waiting. Choose bravery. We could say choose boldness. Many of you know this is true. Because in your life before, you faced a situation where you had to take a risk. Maybe it was in your business. Uh, Maybe it was Uh, in your family. Maybe it was in a circle of friends. Maybe uh, it was at school. Whatever it was, where, where God called you to something and you knew what you needed to do, but you were scared. But instead of, of sitting back, instead of sitting on your hands, instead of waiting for that, that fear to go away, instead you stepped out in boldness and God blessed it. God moved. Imagine how different life would be if you hadn't stepped forward in boldness. I want that kind of boldness for all of us. That kind of boldness that when, when we have this kind of spirit-empowered, obedient boldness, it changes the way that we look at the world. We look at the world with different eyes because we see it through Jesus' eyes. When we see needs, we don't look at them cynically. No, we look and say, God, how can you use me? I want to act in obedience to you. Maybe God will take you into broken places and, and call you simply to, to, to weep with those who weep, to mourn with those who mourn. 
Maybe God will call you to, to speak a word of hope into a life that feels like there is no hope. Maybe God will call you to, to confront something that needs to be confronted. Maybe God will, will use you to, to give a generous gift that needs to be given. Maybe God will use you to, to step up for such a time like this and to, to start a new ministry or to say yes to God's call to, to serve. Maybe God will give you new eyes that you will see this world as he sees it. You see, when you pray for boldness, you do it with an expectation that God will move, with a sense that God will move. What if you would ask for something that's beyond your ability? What if you would ask for a boldness that is greater than your fears? What if you would ask for a boldness to step forward and to be faithful. God wants to give you that kind of boldness. He wants to give us as a church that kind of boldness, a boldness that's bold to reach the world for him. You know, in America, churches are bold at certain things like building buildings and stuff, and that's great and necessary, but, but we want to be more bold for the mission than anything else. There's no other purpose for us other than making disciples of Jesus Christ. You know, we see lots of examples of boldness around the world, but I saw one this past week that it really touched my heart. In fact, let's listen to this choir here. They're uh, an impromptu choir. You probably can't understand them because they're from Ukraine and they're speeding and singing in their native language. They're in a subway in the Ukraine. Hours before they'll be attacked. They could be hiding. They could be at home. They could be cursing their enemies. Play it again. I want to hear them again. Because I want this kind of boldness. I read that they're singing songs of forgiveness for enemies. They have more reason to be scared than I've ever had. Yet they gather and they sing. I want that boldness for us. I don't know what real persecution is like. I don't know what it's like to live in fear of a nation coming to attack you. But I want the kind of boldness that remains faithful to God when stuff gets hard. I want the kind of obedient boldness that steps forward like that. That in the, mo in the midst of man's most scary acts says, no, I put my trust in God. That's where I'm standing. So as we wrap up this series on prayer today, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for us as a church that God would give us that kind of boldness. 
And in fact, I want to invite you to a simple act today. I want to invite you as I pray that if you want that kind of boldness, that obedience, all in for Jesus kind of boldness, as I pray, I just want to invite you to stand. I'm not going to invite you to make a speech or you don't have to come forward, but, but just to stand right where you're at. So if that's you, would you stand as I pray? Holy Spirit, won't you come in power? Come in power in our lives, in our midst, and fill us with the boldness that only you can bring. God, would you give us the boldness of Peter, the boldness of John. Lord, as our our prayer partners walk throughout the room, God, we pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you would fill us with that kind of boldness, God. We know what it's like to be the denier. We've been there. But God, we want to be the one who steps forward in boldness and proclaims that you are God, that you are good, that you are faithful. God, we pray that you would give us the boldness that when we're scared, that we'd still be obedient to you. That like our Ukrainian brothers and sisters, God, that we would have that kind of reliance on you. That when we're faced with evil, God, that we would respond with love with compassion, with prayer, with trusting you, God. Lord, we pray for those who are timid today. Give us strength. Strengthen our weak knees. Take away our fears. Give us the boldness that we can listen to above our fears. God, I pray that you'd give us the boldness to be generous where generosity is needed. to to give an invitation where an invitation is needed, to pray where prayer is needed, to see this world as you see this world. God, for those who are at home right now, God, I just pray that those who are at home that are standing, that your Holy Spirit would fill them with your power, God, that you would speak to them, that whatever their circumstance, God, that you would fill them with your boldness as well. For those in this room, God, that you would fill us with your boldness, the boldness to share you with a friend, the boldness to speak the truth in love when it's not popular, the boldness to love someone who seems unlovable, the boldness to speak your truth, the boldness to confront a sin in my own life, the boldness to forgive the boldness to ask for forgiveness, the boldness to go forth and be different, God, because we have been filled with your Spirit. Oh, come, Holy Spirit, and fill us with your truth. Fill us with your boldness. Fill us with your power. For it's in the strong name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.